Thank you for joining us for this week's 908 message. 908 is a contemporary, student-led ministry based out of Concordia St. Paul. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We hope you join us some Wednesday night and are blessed through the words of our speaker. This is Josh Reber. He is an alum of Concordia St. Paul doing his vicarage in the area. We would like to welcome him and then just pray for his message real quick. So if you guys would join me. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for bringing all of us here tonight. Uh, I especially want to thank you for bringing Josh here, um, for him taking time out of his busy schedule uh, to come and speak your words into our lives. Uh, I pray that his words would be your words and that they would be able to touch uh, the hearts and lives of all of us gathered here tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for having me. My name is Josh Reber. I'm a graduate here, 2016. So I know a couple of you, and uh, I was hanging out with Ben Meyer. He's a great guy. I was an RA with him, and I was his freshman RA. So I can, I've got some good dirt on Ben if you ever need it. <laughs> but we were playing disc golf like three weeks ago, and he just said something about speaking at 908. So that's why I'm here. So I started the day with first graders. Um, then I went to seventh graders. Then I had seventh and eighth graders for public school confirmation. And now I'm with college kids. So if you're thinking about going to seminary, it's great. I recommend it. Um, I'm a seminary student, and I'm on Vicarage and Howard Lake. It's about an hour west of here. So in the area is accurate. So Ben told me that you guys' theme this year is about leading and legacy. Is that right? I've been talking about legacy a lot. And so when I heard legacy, my go-to was your favorite part of the Bible. Yeah, genealogies, right? <laughs> so we're going to look at a genealogy tonight. Um, if you're anything like me, when you uh, sit down to read the Bible, you have like four chapters that you want to read, and you're in the Old Testament, and most of it's genealogy, so you're like, great, I can do this in like five minutes because I'm just going to skim over the list. I don't know half these names anyways. Um, but I'm going to share with you from my favorite genealogy. It's Matthew chapter 1. If you have your Bible, you can follow along, take some notes. Don't write in the Pew Bibles because Pastor Tom would not be very happy with me. Matthew chapter 1. I'll just read it to you and you can follow along if you would like to. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, a quick note about that first verse is the book of the genealogy. I don't do this a lot because um, it sounds pretentious, but that word genealogy, I'll tell you the Greek word and you can tell me what it sounds like. Uh, Geneseos. If I said Geneseos, does it sound like anything? Genesis. Genesis. All right. So the book of the Genesis of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. All right, well, it's not very nice. Do you guys know anything about Tamar? All right, Genesis 39, somewhere around there. Uh, Tamar, well, her husband dies. She doesn't have a son. Onan is supposed to give her a son. He doesn't, so he dies. And then 
Judah, her father-in-law, finds a prostitute in a desert who is Tamar, and then he gets her pregnant. So that's, that's the story of Tamar. Good job, Matthew. You're really bringing out the family treasures. And Perez, the father of Hezron, and Hezra, the father of Ram, and Ram, the father of Abinadab, and uh, Aminadab, the father of Nashon, and Nashon, the father of Salmon, and Salmon, the father of Boaz by Ruth. All right. Um, do you guys know anything about Ruth? Anybody know what nationality Ruth was? The top of her head? Moabite. Moabite. Thank you. Moabite. Now, this was scandalous because Israelites were not supposed to marry Moabites or any other nation. Does anybody know how the Moabites came about? What their history is? It's okay if you're too embarrassed to say it. I am too sometimes. So, Lot and his daughters. God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot and his daughters thought, his daughters thought they were the only people left on the earth. They want children. So they decide to get their dad drunk. And then one thing leads to another. You get Moab and Ammon. All right. Good job, Matthew. Two for two. Oh, yeah. I, I forgot Rahab. Uh, Rahab, what was her profession? Prostitute. All right, three for three. Um, Ruth and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, which was Bathsheba, but um, it's more shameful this way. You guys, you guys know that story? Yeah. David sees a beautiful woman on top of, from his palace. She's married, but he wants her. One thing leads to another. Then makes this way in this beautiful genealogy. And then there's nothing too interesting. I mean, there is, but we'll skip to verse 16. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who was called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. That's cool, seven times two, 14. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. This is, this is the most scandalous story, by the way. When his mother, Mary, had betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit." There is, no, there is no good Christmas story from Matthew. Um, yeah, you've got the wise men, but then if you turn a page, you've got the part where Herod kills all the children. Um, Matthew wasn't really trying to paint a pretty picture with all of these name drops. 
it's, it's not like anything you'd want to bring up at a family reunion. This is like bringing up old dirt. And they all knew it, but yeah, there it is. So here's the thing about this genealogy. Scandal after scandal after scandal. But who's the whole thing about? Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, the book of the genealogy or genesis of Jesus Christ, the son of David, son of Abraham. Hmm. Now, I don't know all of you, so I don't know all your struggles, but I know as college students, you're bound to have them. Maybe a couple scandals thrown in there. Uh, maybe you've changed your major multiple times. You're really close to dropping out. Anxiety, depression. Maybe you've been caught drinking in your dorm. Never happened to me. And you get busted for having a scandalous party. And the list only gets worse. And I don't have to look that far past this very chapel room to see scandal when I attended Concordia. Scandal is all around us. Jesus didn't come because these people in this genealogy were so wonderful. God didn't choose Judah sleeping with his daughter-in-law to be in the line of Christ because it would be so wonderful and so majestic. Jesus didn't come because of these things. He came despite all these things. See the difference? The same thing is true about whatever scandals you have. Whether you're at the cusp of dropping out or a nasty breakup scandal, what is your whole life about? Who is it about? Same thing the genealogy is about, right? Jesus Christ. Yeah. There is nothing or nobody with any greater meaning. God himself, as I read there in the last part of chapter 1, became a man in a pretty scandalous way. So I thought I'd be cute and title this talk Scandal and Legacy instead of Leading and Legacy. Mary, an unwed virgin, became pregnant with the Son of God. I mean, that's kind of scandalous today, but it was way, way worse back then. And you could, you could just see it with how the Jewish leaders treated Jesus and John 8. I mean, they pretty much called him a bastard. They said, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father. That's John 8, 41, if you want to write that down. Not only did Jesus come down to earth in a pretty scandalous way, he saves us in a pretty scandalous way too. Being hung on a cross was about the most scandalous way you could die. Just listen to Deuteronomy 21. And if a man has committed a crime punishable by death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree... His body shall not remain all night on the tree, 
but you shall bury him the same day. For a hanged man is cursed by God. You shall not defile your land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance. Another scandal. And it was scandalous. It was meant to be scandalous because Jesus took all your scandals, all your shortfalls, and he takes them to a tree and he takes all of those things upon himself. He becomes a curse for you so that you are no longer cursed. He sheds his blood on that tree, that cross, and that is everything. That blood is your payment for your scandals and your sins and your shortfalls. So if you happen to find yourself caught up in a scandal, your time in college, well, you're in pretty good company, but look to the one who takes your scandals. Because your life is not about your scandals. In fact, your life's really not about you, and you don't want it to be. Like the first chapters in Matthew, your life is all about Jesus Christ and him crucified. Without him, those scandals in the Old Testament, just scandals, just something to laugh about. There's no redemption without him. Without Christ, your scandals are the same way, just, just aired, nothing. But with Christ, you are saved from your scandals. You don't need to feel that shame anymore because Jesus has taken it and he has died with it. So may we live in view of Jesus who has taken all our scandals to the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Josh. Uh, we are now going to move into prayer time. So here at 908, we really believe in the power of praying uh, with people and for people. Uh, so feel free to move about the room to do that. Otherwise, also feel free to pray by yourselves. Uh, there will be peer ministers in the back by the lamp uh, if you need someone to pray for you. So use this time as you will.
God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Go in peace.